to educators. The Great Resignation is a wake-up call for all politicians, for all um, um, the systems in the world, all districts in the world, all principals in the world, all you know superintendents in the world. That is a wake-up call. When you can't get qualified people in the classroom, or you can't keep qualified people in the classroom, or you cannot attract qualified people to the classroom, that is, that is a, a sign that something is wrong with the system from the bottom to the top. If you listen to us, get us in a room. And we can panel it out. We can figure out ways to hammer out different. We can figure out. I was in a room with uh, 2,200 by 200. That's all the audience I had. 200 superintendents. And they were complaining to me about, well, we have these millions of dollars in budgets and we don't know what to do with it. I said, ask a teacher. I can tell you what to do with it right now. How much is it? I can tell you what to do with it right now. everybody welcome back to another episode of it is what it is podcast i am your host cody kelly look we have an amazing guest an amazing topic we're going to talk about what every teacher needs to know the truth about working in the educational system and really how not just how flawed it is but the things that really need to change this is going to be a cool episode but you know what you got to do if you want to keep seeing amazing leaders like who we have on today with kendra johnson if you want to keep seeing amazing content you got to subscribe to the YouTube page, YouTube CV space K, the hashtag. I got an email from no, uh, notification from YouTube saying they're going to start giving you hashtags and people can follow you. So you know what it is. CV space K, Instagram, CVMK33, Instagram, also CVMK underscore global and the new Instagram page. And it is what it is underscore show. It should be there when you see it. Flashing <laughs> uh, before you is going to be amazing. Also, TikTok at CVMK low because they won't let me uh, fit all the characters twitter cody's life and where the <laughs> best supplements are you know what it is this is yep. our local branch chicago owned, local owned, minority business owned black home get it today y'all pre-workout mm-hmm. superpower get your vegan protein transform get everything at www.cvmkglobal.store with that being said i want to introduce you to kendria johnson kendria how you doing today I am wonderful, Mr. Cody. How are you? I'm great. Um, life is lifing, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm great. Be happy. <laughs> yeah, but you gotta you gotta laugh at it. You better laugh yeah. in order to keep from crying. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Everything is well, and I'm super excited yeah. to have you on. Thank you so much for lending your voice and your talents. You know, before we begin, we jump into the the, the questions. Can you just introduce who you are, what you've done, so the audience can get a feel for you? Okay, well, uh, I'll keep it brief. My name is Kendria Johnson. I am the teacher coach. That means I teach during the day, and then I come home and I coach and mentor at night. Um, I don't consider it a job. It's just something that I love to do. It's a passion project, and I've been doing that for like three years straight as a business, but I've been a mentor teacher for about 13 years. I've been in the education field 22 years. And and so this kind of like, you know, it's one of those things where your passion finds you. So this is something that I do now. I help teachers um, become go from good to great and I get them keep them back, get them back to a balanced life because you and I know that teacher burnout is real. You've been watching the news, teacher burnout and burnout period is a real thing. It's causing people to leave their jobs, be miserable in their jobs 
mm-hmm. and to not be able, not want to go back to teaching. So I am here as a conduit of information and, and to let them know that, hey, you're not alone. I've been there and this is how you can get out. Perfect. Teacher burnout. Look, we're going to get into it. I got a lot to unpack there. I'm looking <laughs> yeah. forward to it because that stuff is real. My mom was a teacher, so I am very yes. uh, equipped and, and familiar with the teacher burnout. But before we begin, a quick word from our sponsors. There's a hero in all of us waiting to be unleashed. All it takes is just that one last push. Activate the hero within with CBMK Global Supplements. All natural, steroid-free, designed to enhance performance, build muscle, and increase energy. You are unstoppable. You can do this. Become your own hero at www.cbmkglobal.store. Awesome. Welcome back. So teacher burnout. Yes. What is teacher burnout? Well, it um, it's, a, it's a loaded question, but it does manifest itself in different ways. And if you Google it, of course, you're going to get a definition. But for me, teacher burnout is when, you know, it's, it's it comes in three stages for me. It's like when you, for me personally, when you like what you do, you love what you do, you, you're enjoying your career. Career is a career. It's not a job for you. It's something that you love to do. But you're just exhausted. You're exhausted. You don't know where it came from. It's just all of a sudden you're just like, I don't know if I have the strength to even get up to do this anymore. Then you have that place where you are a robot. You're just doing it because it's a job and you've been doing it for so long. This is all you know how to do. But you don't really have passion on the fire for it anymore. And then when you get to this stage, this is where I was. It's all, it's all these stages. This is where I was. Is that you got one foot in, one foot out. You, you, you just listen. My, my resume is on LinkedIn, monster.com, indeed, everything. And you got one more time to say something I don't like and I'm out, right? So a lot of teachers have felt all three stages at once. Some teachers are at different stages when I talk to them and I speak to them. But even if it doesn't, you know, manifest itself in the in the uh, eyes of stress, it still comes out in different ways where you don't feel like complete or whole, like your whole life is the job. And that's when it becomes a problem. So when we talk about this fatigue, right, and I, and I totally agree with you. I think it's an excessive fatigue and, and fatigue can happen in a plethora of ways. It's not just one thing. <laughs> You know, this uh, feeling of disconnect, uh, Mm. overwhelm, and just pure exhaustion. Mm -hmm. What do you think the biggest driver of this nauseating feeling is? If you ask me, (laughs) you're going to get a different answer than you ask uh, most of people. Everybody's going to give you a different answer. But for me, I think that the problem comes from, it stems from a lack of respect. Most people from the outside of education will say, well, yeah, they don't pay teachers enough. Yeah, but that's not what I hear. And that's not that wasn't my issue. Not being paid enough was not the issue. It was a fact that I wasn't getting the respect I felt like I deserved as a professional. As a professional, I don't feel like I am valued. I don't feel like that what I'm doing is mattering is it matters to the organization, because believe it or not, education is a business. People think, you know, we, we, it's, it's, you do it because you love the job. Yes, we love it, but we are a cog in a wheel and we are run by an organization. We're run by people in an organization and we are sometimes treated like 
we're not people. We're treated like, you know, you just get in there and sit down, put your head down and just do what we tell you to do. And that's that can be very damaging to a person who is very creative. Teachers are very creative people. Right. We, we like to express ourselves. We like to have different ways to do things. And sometimes they put us in boxes and they say, this is the way we want you to do it. And it becomes corporified. <laughs> I made that word up. That's not a real word, but it does. It becomes corporified. It comes becomes to be like a, a box that you have to be in. And one, one teacher said to me recently that, we have to redefine what a good teacher is because we've allowed the system to divide it for us. So what that means is, oh, she's a good teacher. He is an excellent teacher. What that really means is, especially if you're talking to someone who's in the system, is that they've checked all the boxes. They're compliant. They do exactly what we tell them to do. They come in every day. Uh huh. You know, it, don't, don't, it doesn't matter if she's on the verge of a, of a stroke or a heart attack, but they come in every day. They are dedicated. That makes them a quote-unquote good teacher and we need to redefine that we need to have another conversation about you know why are teachers why is teaching the only profession or one of the few professions where you you almost have to kill yourself hmm. to be good at what you do you know you don't see doctors every day taking their, their work home with them and having heart attacks and strokes behind what they do because they they, they are respected professionals for the for the quali- the qualifications that they have and the, le- the education levels that they have, but as teachers, we're just it's almost like praised to be a martyr. You're praised to be a martyr. Mm-mm. I didn't yeah. sign up to be a martyr. So you okay? So let me let me pause on that. So mm-hmm. you said you weren't respected, and you said no. this is something that kind of stuck out to me. You said that education is a business, it is. and <laughs> it is whether we want to admit it or not. I feel like the way that, particularly when it comes to American education, mm-hmm. um, based on zip codes, <clears throat> based on the resources that actually come into certain sections, certain students are placed in positions to achieve faster. That doesn't mean that others can't, mm-hmm. uh, but it's like if you run a race and instead of starting off at everybody starting off behind the 100 meter line, you're already at, you know, 10 meters. <laughs> it might be a little bit easier to get to that 100 meter mm-hmm. Um you know, so this this business is it disrespect from the students, or and or is it disrespect from the actual institution itself? Like, where does the disrespect start? Hmm. All right, now I'm, I know somebody's going to be watching this. Like, she she telling it right, but anyway, it comes from the people that govern our the educational system. If okay. you follow the money, follow the money. It's 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 all about rules and you know procedures and going along with the system. Kids are kids. They don't follow the rules. That's what they, that's why they're kids, right? They're immature. They don't know. Who, they don't have you know the, the life skills yet to be able to to understand that they don't hate you. They just hate rules. They don't like being governed by rules. But adults is a different thing. It's a different. It's like a corporate disrespect. It's like we, we we're supposed to be treated like professionals. I have a master's degree, but when I go to work, I have to clock in and I have to do all these things. I have to do. This long laundry list of things as a teacher I'm supposed to be doing. And if I don't do those things, I'm going to get 15 emails and I'm going to get written up because you didn't do it the way we told you to do it. But I'm, a, you know, I'm supposed to be in charge of this career that I, that I signed up for. I'm supposed to be able to have some say in what I do every day with these kids. But you have to do it the way they want you to do it. And then they'll say things like, but you can be creative. Okay, but then, you know, if if I try to go think outside of the box, I have tons and I mean, I mean, a million examples of which, but I can give you just one that if I teach the curriculum, 
You tell me I'm supposed to be teaching fractions. Well, the, any way I want to teach fractions, I should be able to teach it. And you come in my room, anybody from the system, think of, think of an administrator coming in your room saying, okay, are you teaching fractions? Yeah. Mm. We taught it. We taught it this morning. No, they need to be doing something. They are doing something. They're doing what I told them to do. They're doing the, this exercise that I told them to do. No, they need to be doing this, 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 and this. It's like that. It's like, but why don't you ask the kids what they're learning? Why don't you look at the test scores of what they're learning? What did you learn? Why don't you trust the teacher to be able to say, I said, I, I taught them fractions with whatever it is that I taught them with, whether it be something from the house or something from the school or something that I did, you know, a, a hands-on activity. But they don't see it that way. They see it as we're corporate. <laughs> we control everything. They just yeah. don't. They don't tell you that. But we control everything. And you need to do it the way we told you to do it in this curriculum that we paid millions of dollars for. But I'm like, I've been doing this 20 years. <laughs> I can teach fractions with one hand behind top behind my back, you know, on the empty stomach. I can do it. So let me do this the way I discern. But then you get, you know, little notes in your box. You get emails about, you know, not following curriculum, whatever it is. And it's little things like that that drive teachers to be able to, you know, like, you know what, I ain't got to do this. And then you go from school to school to school. And what the reason why I left America was because it wouldn't have made a difference what school I went to, what district I went to. Texas was messed up. The rules that were governed in Texas were ridiculous. And I was like, I don't think it's going to be any better where I, wherever I go. So let me see if I can find somewhere else that they appreciate my, my shine and let me do what I need to do. Let me be as creative as I need to be. So, yeah, it's, it's a corporate disrespect. Hmm. And it comes from the top. Mm-hmm. And if you follow the money, it comes all the way from the top to the bottom. And it always has to do with what they pay, what program that they've implemented, what, what program that they want you to follow because they pay for it, even though it's not beneficial to the kids. And teachers mm-hmm. are not trusted to teach what they know or teach how they know how to teach. How, how relevant or how accurate? So, you know, I, I watch TV, but not as much because I feel like I start and stop shows. I mean, I, the older I get, I feel like I'm becoming my grandfather. I'm just watching the news. I literally, I watch the oh. news uh, and because I need to know what's mm-hmm. going on. <laughs> and, you know, I, I feel like I watch TD Jakes in the news. Like there's only two or sports, <laughs> like just three things. Right. But there are some shows that catch my eye every now and then. Yeah. Abbott Elementary is <laughs> the kind of uh, surge that, you know, Quinta Brunson ended up winning an Emmy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and what I like about Abbott is it reminds me of when my mother was teaching in the inner city of Chicago. Uh, a lot of the challenges that they face from an administrative standpoint, right, as you mentioned from the top down, it's kind of all these complexities that is outlaid uh, or displayed in a humorous satire, right? Mm-hmm. So how accurate is Abbott Elementary to just the educational system as a whole? <laughs> well, I like that you, you that uh, that I, I, I'm glad that I watched it. That's all I'm going to say, because if you had asked me that six weeks ago, I wouldn't have been able to tell you an answer. But I did watch it because of the Emmy Award. That's the reason yeah. I watched it, because when she won that Emmy... I was like, let me go see what this is about. So I went on and um, I looked it up. It is very accurate. <laughs> and it, it actually doesn't paint a really grim picture. It's so hell- it's so funny. You forget that the, the real topics that they're talking about. But it's extremely accurate. I mean, like, like right on the money. You think that these char- uh, characters are made up. They are not. Even the principal. She is not made up. There's somebody's principal somewhere in the universe. I want to say I've worked for her at least once or twice in my life. <laughs> But uh, yes, honey, that, that is real. But um, 
<laughs> some of the issues about budget constraints, getting uh, free stuff from the right. internet. We have to get stuff from the outside because we've asked three times, can we get some pencils? And they don't buy you pencils. You have to buy your own pencils. You have to get them out of your pocket. Everybody knows that. And then you go to the internet and get something for free. Then the the idea of, you know, you know, the gifted and talented program, There's right. it's supposed to be a thing, but it's not a thing. <laughs> so we end up just <laughs> sh- shutting it down altogether. That's real. And, you know, teacher ratio, uh, the teacher to student ratio, those things are, some of those things are not like as harshly depicted because it wouldn't be funny anymore. Right. I, I, I saw that too. I was like, it's yeah, but you know, let's talk about the real deal, you know, but they can't because if they did, it would be sad. It would be a drama. Right. But yeah, it's extremely real. And I teach overseas. And yes, some of those things that are happening on that show are still, <laughs> it's all over the world. It's all over the world. So how do you combat? So, and the reason why I bring this up, yeah. because I feel like there's two different worlds when it comes mm-hmm. to education. I feel like there is that and then there is what i call the world of affluence so and i bring this up because you know particularly prior to my dad's passing i had a very cosby like upbringing right yeah. i you know I, you could call me theo lived in a <laughs> lived in an upper middle class neighborhood maybe low upper class you know depending yeah. on who you talk to um and our te- we had the latest and greatest Technologies, you know, we okay. were working on lap uh, laptops in the '90s. We had computers. We had computer classes. Um, you know, I knew Microsoft Word by 1998. You know, PowerPoint. You know, none of this. So when I got to high school, college, you know, this stuff was a breeze to me. Um, <laughs> and the teachers got paid quite well. The teachers lived in the same neighborhoods. The teachers worked there for 30 years and retired, you know, and, you know, it was this, but, but it was a higher tax. It was a lot of stuff. Yeah. And then my friends who went to, um, uh, you know, school in the inner city, you know, I always felt like their textbooks were like three years past the new yep. current date. You know, they talked about overcrowding in the classrooms. Like we only had 20 students in ours at the most. Right. And it was like two different worlds. How is that by design? Because I feel yes. like there's two sides to this coin. There is this obvious truth. And then there is there is the one, the elitist, whatever, you know, world that, you know, this isn't applicable. Yeah, I agree. It, there, it's definitely by design from the states. In the states, in the mm-hmm. inner city, it's definitely by design. So now it's, it's, it's almost like they didn't want our kids to make it. <laughs> if you were brown and black yeah. in the inner city... No, we're going to make sure you have every handicap possible. But we're going to throw some money at you to make sure that you, you know, we can say that we tried. But the money that they throw at you or they throw at the schools, they call it Title One funding. The funding that they give you, it goes, it's so misappropriated. It's never given to the, you know, to the actual thing that it's supposed to be given to. And then when it's used, it's not, and it, 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 it works. And this is, again, this is all Kendra, 3 and 10. This is all from the book of me, from what I see and what I have seen, is that when it works and the students that are brown and black or in the inner city or of a lower tax bracket, as we would say, let's just say that, then they they up the ante. It's almost like they change the finish line. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Let's let's change all the the standardized testing because those kids are doing well. So if they're not cheating, then something happens. Something must be happening. We have to disadvantage them in some way, shape, or form. That's what I used to see. My kids did well on certain tests. Well, I mean, like you know, like hundreds and eighties, and you know, I would, I would, I'd be the teacher of the year, and so on and so forth. But then they would change the test. Hmm. hmm. Legislation would change the test. They would redistrict. We get rid of certain schools, and then they they close down certain schools and open up brand new schools. 
to pour all the money into that, but you can't put you ain't putting old wine in a new bottle. It's still it's still the same neighborhood. You're just putting it in a in a, in a brand new school. Because I worked at a brand new school, but the kids were not that they weren't brand new. They were still the kids from the same neighborhood. And right. so putting them in a room where you know with all the latest technology, it was great. But you didn't you know teach you didn't teach the children any differently than if you had nothing. So it wasn't like it wasn't like we were helping them by giving the, well, giving the teachers brand new stuff because in the in a, in a city we used to have to lock everything down and chain everything down literally so that people wouldn't break in every at night and steal our stuff. But even if I still had the the latest technology, I need somebody to help me come get this child out of my classroom because he can't read. Hmm. He's in eighth grade; he can't read. So it doesn't matter how much money I have on this technology. If these children can't read, what difference does it make? What what, what difference can I make? There's only so much I can do as a teacher. Sure. I'm not a magician, but I am. I'm going to do my very best to teach science to this eighth grader, but he can't read. So what so is the, like that? So what is the solution? Is it so some would argue uh, and then we're going to, you know, your, the book that you wrote and, and, and whatnot, but some would argue that <laughs> mm-hmm. it's it's a societal. It's a parenting issue. It's not a government, you know, that politics has nothing to do. And then you get the exact opposite of say. That's exactly why it's a government mm-hmm. issue because they don't have the resources and whatnot. I mean, what is the solution to this basically educational disparity? There are several. And again, I'm going to give you my two cents and then okay. whoever takes their two cents, they can multiply it or they can subtract. It's up to them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my two cents is I wish that we could listen to educators. The great resignation is a wake up call. For all politicians, for all um, um, the systems in the world, all districts in the world, all principals in the world, all you know, superintendents in the world. That is a wake-up call. When you can't get qualified people in the classroom or you can't keep qualified people in the classroom or you cannot attract qualified people to the classroom, that is, that is a, a sign that something is wrong with the system from the bottom to the top. If you listen to us, get us in a room. And we can panel it out. We can figure out ways to hammer out different. We can figure out. I was in a room with uh, 2,200 by 200. That's all the audience I had. 200 superintendents. And they were complaining to me about, well, we have these millions of dollars in budgets and we don't know what to do with it. I said, ask a teacher. I can tell you what to do with it right now. How much is it? I can tell you what to do with it right now. Right? Ask us how to fix the systems that are in place that are not working. Because there are teachers and there's um, there's superintendents, there's people who have been uh, principals, there's people that on the ground floor like me that, that that has to have a program to help other teachers survive and that are struggling to stay in it. There's people that know different ways to fix whatever system is broken. Because I can't speak on just one system. Oh, it's the you know lack of funding for technology, or it's the parenting issue, or it's the you know we don't have enough you know qualified people to teach the kids or we don't have enough programs in place it's all of those things and then some but whatever's wrong ask the people involved get the parents in the room they will tell you what's wrong how to help their child how to best benefit the child how to best be an advocate for their children get the um the the principals involved who are actually doing it well there are principals that are knocking it out the box but they are considered to be the what i call joe clark's (laughs) of the universe and that's not fair yeah, <laughs> it's not fair. That's not right that they are penalized or that they're seen as, as troublemakers or people that don't go along with the flow. Because, again, you don't go along with the system. The system kind of like, you know, ostracizes you. And that's not the way it should be. 
We should, we, it's a new world we're coming into, especially after the pandemic. But yet we're going back to the same systems that were in place before. Perfect example is why are we still using paper to test kids? Why are we still pass, why are we, why are we, why are we printing out stuff and having them bubble stuff? You know, with all this technology we have around us and all these ways that you can tell, you know, this is me because you have a camera on me. Right. I can always, you know, there's always a way you can check security wise and make sure that the people are taking the test. They're taking the test and, you know, the kids going to find a way to cheat no matter what. But however, evil always going to find a way. <laughs> why are we still using, uh, I can't stand it. I hate giving tests with a pencil and a paper with, you know, with bubbling, bubblings. I, why are we still doing that? But we're not evolving. We are not evolving. And so it's like it's too much. Um, there's too, it's, it's a big problem that can be solved in small little ways. You can always ask the people that it affects the most, and they will tell you how to fix it. But what the problem is, is the people in charge listen to the people with the money. Mm. People with the money, you know, listen to politicians. Politicians, again, it's a circle. The people with the money listen to politicians. Politicians listen to people with the money. And the people with the money making all the decisions. But the people that are on the ground floor saying, hey, this is not working. Hey, this is not working. You got you, People are not staying in teaching 30 years anymore. It's true. They're, they're not getting into the teachers. I remember running into the teacher that I had in fourth grade probably about 10 years ago. She was still teaching. Hmm. You can't. You're not gonna find me in 40 years. I'm just gonna tell you that now. You're not gonna find me in 30 years at the same school. You're just not. You're not gonna be able to find me because people are moving around. Because hey, you're not being. I'm not being treated well. I'm not being respected. I'm gonna move to this school and that school. This school. That school. So it's such a big problem. But if you if you if you decide it out, you decipher it out to people who are on the ground floor and can tell you how to fix it. There's it doesn't take anything away from you, superintendents, principals, lawmakers, <laughs> unions. It doesn't take anything away from you to be able to listen and implement their programs. My program is a perfect example of that. The one that I've created, perfect example. But I'm having to hustle and push a rock uphill because people don't believe that mental health matters. It does. It does. It does. Yes, it does. <laughs> Yes, it does. So let's let's get into that program because I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I I I think that we strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. At least St. Luke, mm. right? there's a Christ, right? And and what I mean by that, so we make banning of books the hot button issue, and we ignore that the fact that teacher you know retention rate is decreasing, uh, teachers' pay has not gone up. Mm-mm. Teachers' safety is gone down. Teachers and children's safety, mm-hmm. and instead of focusing on how can we make teachers feel secure, support them economically, uh, mentally, you know, give them the breaks and the assistance that they need to be effective, uh, and make sure that they're sustainable, and make sure that kids are safe and that they can go to school, and parents don't have to worry about some type of atrocity. Yeah. The boogeyman now becomes what is being taught, right? Like PRT. Yeah, yeah. Like, theory, yeah. You worried so, about all that. So how do you support? You know, you've created a program. How do you support a teacher? Oh, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad um, that you know um, that I'm, I'm a, I, that I made it through because for okay. four years straight, I was like, "This is my last year. I'm done. I'm not doing this again." But you're such a good teacher, your friends will say. Eh. I said, they don't appreciate me. You know that. I, I did that for four years straight. But clearly, I wasn't done. Clearly, I wasn't. But I needed a reason to stay. 
Mm-hmm. I needed someone to give me permission to stay. And I became, and because when, when I went through the height of my burnout, and I haven't I've gone through the whole story, but when I went through the height of my burnout, which, you know, my hair was falling out, um, I had high blood pressure. And uh, when I didn't have high blood pressure, my anemia would kick in. So either way, I was fainting for what I was either fainting because my high blood pressure was, was high or <laughs> my, my, my iron was low and I couldn't stand up straight. So all of these things were happening at one time and I'd fix one problem and, and create another one, right? And the medicine I was on, oh my gosh, the medication that I was on was what was making it worse, was giving me symptoms and side effects that were making all of my illnesses worse. Hmm. So when I was at the height of that, I went to people and there was there was no there were no systems in place. Okay. The one system I remember being in place was called the ear program, E-A-R, and it stood for employees assistant something. And I went to the ear program and they give you six free sessions with a therapist for 30 minutes. I took it. I took all six of my sessions, and that was it for free. And you know, you don't. It's not covered in um, uh, in, in Medicaid in your your HMO. It's not covered. So uh, I had to pay out of my pocket to see someone. But I had to speak to someone who was a professional because your friends who are in it with you don't see how it's damaging you. And then the people on the outside of education will say, I don't know why you up in there every day. I don't know why you go up in there. I don't know why you work there. Why do you continue? Why don't you just quit? You got you got enough skills to do anything you want to do. Why are you up? Those that's that's on either side of you. And the other people in your ear in the break room are telling you, oh, girl, suck it up. That's just the way it is. Just get over it. That's just way of teaching. Just go and get you some sleep and then you'll be fine in the morning. Mm -hmm. I wasn't fine in the morning. I wasn't. I wasn't mm-hmm. fine in the morning. I wasn't fine after the weekends. I wasn't fine after uh, summer breaks. And I wasn't fine after the two-week um, breaks. I wasn't fine. It mm-hmm. was, Something had to give. And it's either I had to quit or I had to go and seek professional help and see what's going on with me to figure out what I can do to manage all of this stress that I'm under. Right. And luckily, I did the second thing, but I didn't quit. And so this program that I developed has to do with I became the solution that I needed. There's someone out there just like me, just like me. We love what we do. We hate all the BS that, that governs what we do, but right. we love what we do. We know how to get through all of that red tape and all that stuff we have to deal with in order to get to the children. Because remember, we are in this for the children. We all forget that. You know, teachers are mad about what they're mad about. Principals are upset about what they're upset about. Parents are upset about what they're upset about. But we're all supposed to be here for the children. We're all supposed to be here to educate them. And if it wasn't for the kids, I would have left. Definitely would have left 10 years ago, for sure, for sure. So my program is just, okay, <clears throat> let's let's pull out some of these things that are in your your your, your backpack of stresses, is what I call it, your backpack of stresses. And it's invisible. You can't see it, but you know it's there. Just like you said, your mother, you know it's there. You know those stresses exist. But, you know, let's figure out where this stress is coming from and see what we can put a hold in it. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go to the next problem, put a hole in that one. Then we'll put the next problem in, and then we'll put a pin in that so we can stop all of this stress from leaving your house and, li- and bringing it home with you, right? Then I develop a system in place. I have a system. There's six steps. If you follow these six steps, this should be able to get you back to the place where you were when you first started teaching, when you first, first fell in love with it, when you couldn't wait to get to school because you was like, oh, these kids going to learn something today. and ain't going to get it until I show up, right? When you get back to that place, all the stuff that happens around it, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Here, perfect example. I'll give you an example. Today, I had an evaluation. Ooh, I've been evaluated 22 times. This is year 22, right? I've been evaluated so many times that I can tell you exactly what you're going to tell me. Yeah? I could care less what they wrote down on that paper. I don't care. I could care less. I know my worth. 
Mm-hmm. I know my value. I know what I bring to the table. I know what my kids love. And I know that they respond to me and they respect me. I know that at the end of the year, they're going to knock that test out of the park. They might not have it today because it's October, but that by the end of the year, they're going to get it. They're going to get everything that I'm giving to them because I know the systems that I know, the, the things that I know and how to uh, teach, <laughs> how to teach. I know that they're going to get it. All of them might not get it, but most of them will. But whatever they check off their box, whatever they wrote on that paper does not matter to me. It doesn't affect me. And I tell teachers that stop putting all your your worth into what other people think of you. Make a document of your own successes. Keep all those parent those parent letters. Keep the letters that the kids write to you. Keep all of those things in a, in a folder or a portfolio. Scan it. Put it on a digital copy somewhere. Keep it for yourself. And then when you get an evaluation and you want to, re- you know, refute something and you want to like, wait a minute, that's not that's not right. Get your evidence out. That says that this is not right because they what they come in twice a year right? and tell you if you're good or not, please. I don't need people to come in my room to tell me if I'm good or if I'm not good. I can, I have parents for that and I have students for that. I have test scores for that. I have, you know, I can look in a child's face and say, you got this, you got this, you got this. I can do that. But, you know, we're not giving teachers that kind of credit. But I design a system where I talk to that teacher at the end of the day. As I said, I'm a teacher during the day and at night I mentor. And I talk to that teacher and I tell them exactly what I just said to you. I'm like, listen, <laughs> don't let those people tell you who you are. You decide who you are. Write down what you do and what you do well. Keep that as a document. And if you need to, put it in your, your evaluation with whatever they've said. And then that gives them the strength and the courage to be able to go back in there and fight another day. See, I'm that I'm the person in Rocky. What's the guy's name in the back in the corner when he got out of when he a was trainer, little Mickey, yeah. The little trainer, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's me. That's me. I'm like, all right, I got they got they beat you up today. Don't worry about it. They wrote you up for something silly. Don't worry about it. This is what you should do. And then I get I push them back in there and say, go back in there and fight another day. So I'm I'm the solution to a problem that I once had. Because you know and I know, as we've been speaking, teachers don't need excuses to leave. Yeah. There's a thousand of them. I got to watch the news. We don't need to, to, uh, uh, excuses to just walk out tomorrow and say, this is it. I'm done. But I find in my work that teachers do and educators do want an excuse and they want permission to stay. Please help me stay in it. Please. Fig- can we figure something out? Maybe I just need to switch schools. Yes. Maybe you need to do that because some of these um, principals are tyrant tyrants. I, I agree. I there's a lot. I know we're running out of time. I got a couple more questions that I really want to unpack uh, because I think it's not just teaching. I think is working professionals, working professional burnout is the the I think the disease of today. Right. It's the mm-hmm. it's the new plague that nobody really wants to address. Uh, and I really want to talk and and really unpack that for the last few minutes. Uh, but okay. one quick word from our sponsors. I literally just tried the best pre-workout on the planet. With Superpower Pre-Workout, you have increased focus and a power boost every single time you work out. It's not only packed with 225 milligrams of caffeine, but it also has citrulline and creatine. It's insane how much energy and focus I had during my workouts. If you're ready to take your workouts to the next level, then ditch your current pre-workout and get the Superpower Pre-Workout to be your own hero. All right, y'all get the super hour pre-workout at www.cvmkglobal.store if you want some eyes on it right here. Superpower, <laughs> all of it, super thick, creatine, just it's everything, y'all. www.cvmkglobal.store. So look, we talk about burnout. It is so real. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm not a teacher. I work in 
the SaaS industry. Well, outside of this somewhere, I but I work in the SaaS industry. You know, not be named. You know, so, uh, you know, software solution. Some, some and, uh, you know, with some, with some letters, but I can't say the letters. Yeah, probably did. You know, but uh, and every employee is regardless of the organization. I don't, and I said this earlier today. I don't think organizations get it. Like they don't get it what it really takes to be successful. And the problem is, I feel like instead of investing in the support of humanity, they invest in metrics to weed out. So it becomes uh, uh, like like sur- like Survivor's Island, right? Like yeah. it's it's it, instead of me working for the customer, I'm actually working against my teammates and I have to be the last one standing, right? It's a very almost toxic application instead of really understanding that it is a harmonious collection uh, that allows the organization to go forward. And you support an employee in a couple of ways. The first thing I do believe is, is the mental health aspect, right? We have to make sure that our employees are safe, that they're supported, uh, that we can expect performance because we give them the tools to be successful, mm-hmm. whatever that means. The second thing is understanding, right, the yeah. unique challenges and then addressing that. Uh, the the companies, particularly when you get to a certain size, can no longer be silent, right? Like I said this, once you get to a certain revenue threshold, you have to have an answer for everything. You can no longer be, we're just a, we're just a shoe company. Yeah, but you're a shoe company that makes billions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sorry, now that qualifies you to speak on other, you know, subject matters. You know, if you just yeah. want to just be a regular average shoe company that, you know, is sold at a local retailer, that's fine. But once you become global, you have to deal with humanity, you know? So mm-hmm. when issues like inflation came about and I didn't see an economic report of employers increasing their mm-hmm. salary wages, mm-hmm. I said, so the cost of living has gone up on average eight to ten percent, and that's a lie because anybody that knows numbers know that if it's statistical categories, therefore it's a compounded interest. So if it's eight percent in one book and eight percent in another book, eight percent is really point zero eight times that, right? So mm-hmm. really, things have doubled. Well, I think mm-hmm. I think it's just safe to say it's, it's double, mm-hmm. and you did not increase their wage, but you increased the deliverable, the demand, the expectations. That's mm-hmm. a very dangerous formula, right? Because mm-hmm. the pressure was already added. Mm-hmm. And from this, if we're not careful, and we talk about the great resignation, mm-hmm. what is stopping employees to just say, I quit? You know, I don't want to do any of this. And then what? You know, because the, the truth of the matter is, it's not an issue of, well, we can hire another one. It's not that simple. It's not that simple. You you really can't. And if you keep creating these bad habits, you will create a mass exodus. And nobody mm-hmm. wants that. So when we talk about addressing burnout as a as a teacher coach, I would even, you know, let's upgrade and just say as a as a working professional coach, yes. right? You know, if somebody contacts you and says, Kendra, I'm experiencing burnout if my boss says another blankety blankety word i'm gonna mm-hmm. slap them and everybody else. <laughs> <You know>? mm-hmm. <laughs> what <laughs> what do you say <laughs> i don't mean that yeah i don't mean that literally I'm no 
Like, what would you what you mean? That's somebody's world. That's somebody's world right now. Somebody's thinking that somebody's world, somebody world right now. Exactly. Like everybody next to me. <laughs> yeah. Somebody saying that to themselves right now. Somebody thinking that right now. Somebody going to somebody to tell their wife or their kids something like that right now. They boss, their friends at the at the you know when you go drinking after school. Right. Somebody saying that right now. Yeah. yeah like, like, no. <laughs> I, I love when adults go there, but I get that get on like it's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna be on the news. That's what we used to say. I'm gonna be on the news. Y'all can have this badge. I'm gonna be on the news. Okay, yeah. We said that's not something you ain't saying nothing. Ain't nobody else said and they thought. Just trust me. But yes, what the first thing I say I, if I was a professional coach, I would say how many days you got? How many days you got? You know how many days you got? You know how many days you got? <clears throat> you know them the mental health days, yeah. the ones where you call in when you ain't sick. How many of them days you got? Because you're gonna need to take those seriously. You need to take those. Make them appreciate if you, if they're not listening to you and you're trying to do with your job and you're putting your head down every day and you're doing your job and they're not listening to you. Let them listen to silence. Let them listen to let them listen. Let them listen to the absence of you. And I would say that to a friend by people. But, you know, you know, my friends who don't appreciate me, I'm going to say, you know, no, I'm going to say no to you. Then I'm going to teach you how to say no. I'm going to teach you how to say no. We're going to play it out, work it out. In my workshops, we actually do role play. I am the bad boss and I tell them to show me how to say no. And I'm extremely intimidating, so what I've been told. So I just use that in my in my workshop to tell them, you know, oh, I'm going to write you up. You know, this is going to go to your resume. You know, uh, you can do whatever you need to do, but I'm going to have to decline that. You know, <laughs> that that thing you asked me to do, I'm not doing that. But yeah, you're going to have to certainly learn how to say no, and then you're going to have to evaluate. Now, this is the thing that this is the part that I love about what I do. You have to evaluate how you got here, because a lot of the times it's us. We and the decisions that we make and don't make and not saying no and, and just putting your head down, you know, they can't ride you unless you bend over. So it's those kinds of things in your mentality about your job. You're so scared you're going to lose it. Oh, my God, I'm so Oh, I'm so afraid I'm going to lose. I'm going to come in tomorrow and I ain't got no job. When you get over those kinds of fears and you realize your worth and what you bring to the table and all your talents and your skills. Listen, you're lucky to have me. You are so lucky to have me when I when I got off work. Today, after having my evaluation, I took myself for a drink, like I always do. I took myself for a celebratory drink and, you know, hey, and I saw my friends and, hey, clink, clink, clink. That's over for another year, right? Because I know my value at work. But if I go to work tomorrow and they say, you know, we no longer need your service. All right, bye. Thank you. Can I get this? Thank you. Can I take that? Bye. And thank you for telling me at at 8 o'clock so I ain't got to work the whole day before you told me. I appreciate that. Bye. And I'm getting my car and I'm drive off. Why? Because I know my skill set. I know I can make money anywhere in the world, literally. They need teachers everywhere. I ain't got to worry about that. So we have to decide. Okay, once you decide, you know, once you figure out the, how much of this mess you can take at school, at work, at work, I won't say school, but at work, then you figure out how many mental health days you can use, figure out what your, your plan is while you're on your break. Because this is what happened to me. This is why I wrote the book. While I was on one of those mental health breaks, I started to write down my goals and what I my value system and people I hadn't talked to in a while and what I wasn't doing for myself, what I wasn't doing. It's not their responsibility to make me happy. That's not their job. My principal's not in charge of my happiness and my joy. She's not in charge or he is not in charge of where I want my career to go and what I want to see myself doing in 10 years. They're not in charge of that. That's me. That's the choices that I make every day. And so that's 70% of what I see. 30% of it, you just got a bad boss. We need to find you somewhere else to work. Seriously. 
these work these work environments are extremely toxic toxic in places and they're killing literally draining the life out of their employees and i'm like don't be the person that gets you know in the hospital because of what's going on at that job you know find find somewhere else to work please 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 and we help you do that and if i can't help you i find other people that can help you get another job because that was me but 70 percent of this of what i do is trying to change people's mindset about you know, the great resignation is bad. Yes, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing for the economy and for the kids, right? right? But you can use it as leverage. Because let me go back to the States tomorrow and go into an interview and say, you know, okay, well, I see you got a little bonus coming up because I have all this experience. But what, tell me about your remote learning. Tell me about what you do. What, is your, what are your procedures after school? Because I don't particularly like getting phone calls after 5 o'clock. And I cut my phone off. What, you, what is your position of that? I can go in there and I can get, I can see if these people align with my value system. And if they do not, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. This was great. But no, I don't think I'll be working here. Okay. So you can do that now, but teachers don't see it that way. People don't see it that way. They see it as I can, I'm going to take whatever I can get. Then when you get that, when you get that, I have a friend that right now looking for a job. I told her, do not be desperate. Don't go in there desperate. Do not go in those interviews like, okay, please hire me. Please hire me. Because what you, when you do that, you're going to attract something that you don't want. You don't want just anything. No. Stay unemployed as long as you can to get the thing that you want. Be clear about it, though. Be clear about what you want. So when you go in there, you know exactly what you want and what you don't want, right? But if, if I were to speak on burnout, I would tell people that most of it, find out where most of it is coming from. Some of it is coming from your value system, not being able to stand up for yourself, not being able to advocate for the things that you truly, truly want and your th the things that you want in a job and in a career. Because that's all it is. <laughs> it's a job. It's a career. It's not your life. Yeah, it's not. It's what you do. It's your passion. It's your purpose. But it's not, quote, unquote, your life. My children are my life. You know, the people I love in my life are my life. You know, the things that I, uh, my charity work is my life. Those are my, those are things that are, those are my legacy. This job that I have will not be on my epithet when I die. It won't. It might be teacher up there, but the school I worked at, that's not going to be there. Principals I work for, that's not going to be there. The thing that's in that dash in the middle of my, uh, of the days that I was here, the things that are matter are, are people that I leave, they leave behind the love that I have for myself, for my career, for the people in my life that I, I've touched or uh, people that I've helped. But we we don't see that. We don't see big picture. All we see is, I don't want to lose my job. I need this paycheck. <laughs> I need this paycheck. I need these benefits. And let me see how long I can put up with this foolishness before, you know, I just give up. Instead of being uh, proactive, we're reactive. My program is proactive. It's, it's okay. When you go into this next job, when you go in there tomorrow, this is what I want you to do. Come up with a plan for yourself. And anything that doesn't go along with your plan, this is what I want you to do. Instead of that, they come to me in desperation saying, you know, I'm about to quit. Let's see. Let's see. Let's go back. Backtrack. Tell me how we got here. How do we get here? And I guarantee you it's about choices. It's about choices. It's about the things that we allow and the things that we don't stand up for ourselves enough because we think, you know, I don't want my boss not to like me. I don't care about you. If she like me, she like me. If she don't, she don't. It doesn't. <laughs> I like me. No. I value me. Hello. <laughs> I like it. Kendra, if they wanted to connect with you, want to support, say, look, I do what you do. I think this is service I need to acquire. How can they reach you? Um, my website has all my information, www.imkendria.com. And then it's spelled K-E-N-D-R-I-A. 
uh, com. No, no dashes, no, no anything, no dashes, no underscores, no nothing. And all of my information is there, even my address, even though I live overseas. <laughs> my phone number is there. My email is there. My um, uh, copy of, copies of my book are there. Um, excerpts from the book are there. Free masterclasses are there. Everything you need is on that website. So if you ever want to contact me and say, you know what, maybe I need your help. Maybe I need your services. Can you come and talk to my organization? All of that information is there. Just shoot me an email and then we'll see some. We'll, we'll go from there. I like it. Y'all connect with Kendria. I am KendriaJohnson.com, correct? No hyphens, no underscores, all one word. <laughs> all her contact information is there. Y'all reach out and say, look, I need help. I'm trying to stay in the field of education or just mm-hmm. life, you know, connect. That's how you build. That's how you grow. And connect with your boy, Instagram, CBK. <laughs> Underscore global CVK33. It is what it is. Pay all the stuff. YouTube CV space K www.cvmkglobe.store. TikTok CVMK Globe. And until next time, guys. Thanks. Hey, thanks for watching. This was an amazing episode. And if you want to keep seeing amazing episodes like this one, you know what you got to do. Connect with your boy on every platform Instagram, Patreon, Twitter, all three Instagram pages. Subscribe for premium content. Remember, this is Business Tainment. It is what it is. Podcast hosted by your boy. Not left, not right, just life.